0: You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.
1: Hey, everybody, this is Cookie Brothers with FCF International, and I am so excited today to have our guest on our podcast, and that is Reverend Blaine Bartell. Reverend, Reverend. I love it. (laughs) I like to be respectful. Thank you, Cookie. (laughs) And the reason I do is because I really feel like we can put a demand on a gift greater when we understand what that Mm, gift is. And you are a man of God. Oh, I appreciate and God it. has used you mightily in the kingdom, and I'm thrilled to have you here today to talk about your journey, well, and um, one of the things that we want to make sure that we are emphasizing for all of our leaders is the need for whole health, yes. spirit, soul, and body, and so you have faced some trials in your life and ministry that has positioned you to understand the need for whole health
0: absolutely so
1: i wanted you to share with everybody your journey
0: i would be happy to first of all thank you for having me today i love your new offices thank
1: you we love them too Uh, i wish
0: everyone could see these offices they're just like modern and beautiful and it's just i when i walked in i was like this is perfect so thank you we're excited yeah so uh for those who haven't heard my story i grew up in uh word of faith ministries Mm -hmm. went to rhema uh Serve with Pastor Willie George for years, who was FCF uh-huh. way back in the day. Yep, children's pastor mm-hmm. for the first FCF church ever. So, right. you know, this is where I grew up. This is where I cut my teeth. Uh, published with Harrison House, and and so I was uh, at the end of all uh, this ministry growing up. Uh, I was in Dallas, pastoring a church. And uh, the church was really starting to grow. And uh, we had built a, like a $5 million building in Frisco, which is a fast-growing city in the north part of Dallas. And we were about to, uh, we were about to celebrate Easter 2010, 2010 and uh, everything ended for me, Cookie, Easter week. Well... It would be our... It's big, the
1: weekend of death, burial, right? and resurrection. I never so. got to Easter, <laughs> but I did get to Good Friday. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Basically, uh, that week, and I th- I know now it was so, so much God, mm. even though it felt like right. hell at yeah. the time. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I was exposed in the, the most uh, brutal way, and uh, I... Uh, I had been hiding for about twenty three years a addiction I would call it today a stronghold or a captivity if i you know using more of a scriptural terminology uh but what the world would call an addiction to uh uh to pornography and sexual vice, and it started as a minister uh
1: can I insert something yeah, here yeah I just recently. Um, heard a message from pastor Craig Rochelle Mm -hmm. and he was talking about strongholds in the mind Mm -hmm. and he found some I don't know if it was in a concordance or somewhere that said um, a stronghold is defined as a fortified city or prison of deception locked prison of deception how yep. accurate is that? That is perfect. Right? Yeah, anyway, happens. I wanted to insert that because that's truly wow. where you were.
0: Yeah. And it was. And it started, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I grew up in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you couldn't get porn in the 70s unless right. your dad had it. And my right. dad didn't because uh, I looked and I never right. could find any. <laughs> and so I, I really wasn't introduced to porn until I was a traveling minister And I was not taking care of my soul. Uh I was not Sabbathing. I was traveling, speaking, preaching, writing. Uh And I found myself after about two, three years of this uh, in a hotel room one night, completely exhausted, Uh sitting at the end of the bed at about 11 o'clock at night, flipping channels, CNN, ABC, NBC, sports, ESPN, whatever. And I just all of a sudden uh, went over to that white box on the top of the television and I knew what it was. Mm -hmm. And for the first time I hit that red button Mm -hmm. and on came these adult movies Mm -hmm. slash pornography. And I watched for about 10 minutes. It just absolutely, it just impacted my mind and my soul, that fantasy world in such a powerful way. And I just took it all in and I turned it off, and two emotions happened as I turned it off. First of all, I felt this terrible guilt and shame. Sure, Felt like I was going to hell. Felt like I had so just absolutely disappointed God and everybody in the world. But then I felt this, this incredible a desire to make sure that I didn't get caught because I was never going to do it again. So I ran down to the front desk. I paid for the movie so that my hosts who were paying for my hotel room would not find out. Right. And I cried as I went to bed that night. I repented. I prayed and I told God I'd never do it again. Yeah. And I didn't for six months. Mm -hmm. And then I found myself in the same place in my soul six months later. Mm -hmm. Once again. I did it. And then it was not six months, it was three months, and then it was a month, and then it was a few weeks until finally this became just an ongoing, ugly part of my secret life. And nobody knew about it except me. And it kind of felt like, you know, I knew it was wrong, but uh, of all the sins I could commit, I thought, well, this was the least heinous. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was going to, I wasn't drinking in driving I wasn't doing drugs I wasn't committing adultery with another man's wife I was just looking at porn right and so it wasn't hurting anyone and no one knew about it and I, I bought into that deception sure and of course we know how lust works you know you don't ever eat one oreo cookie that's right you eat the whole pack you right know? and that's or at what least a sleeve. Yeah, at least a sleeve right so <laughs> I ended up uh After several years of trying to battle this porn, I ended up uh, reaching out to like 900 numbers Mm -hmm. so I could talk to a live person. I wanted reality, Mm -hmm. not fantasy. Mm -hmm. I I wanted something real. So it was 900 numbers, and then it was, oh, on the road. I look out one night from my hotel room. There's this flashing massage parlor sign. And I know it's not legit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's legit massage at the mall, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. but this was not uh, legit. Mm-hmm. And somehow I just knew it. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself walking down and walking in. And as soon as I walked in, I knew. It. Right. But I paid the money, went back, and it wasn't legit. It was something more. And uh, I gave in and my shame went even deeper sure. and deeper. And deeper. Until after a number of years, you know, in the end, uh, you know, escorts, prostitutes, just uh, I was profiling myself on dating sites as a single person. Never had any kind of encounter in my church world ever. Not because I had any virtue. I was just I just knew that would be the end of it. I knew how quickly it would unravel. Right. I just always kept them separate. So it was like Cookie, I had two separate identi- identities. Sure. I, I was Jekyll and Hyde. I, mm-hmm. I was Curtis McKenzie, this this name and identity that I made up in this other world. And then mm-hmm. I was Blaine Bartell, preacher, pastor, author, whatever. And finally, the two worlds came together when mm-hmm. I was uh, with a woman, mm-hmm. and she uh, figured it out. Wow. And she, uh, looked at me and said, I know who you are and you either come clean with your family and your church or I will expose you in the media. Wow. And, uh, it was the grace of God, the absolute grace Mm. of God. Of course, I tried to talk her out of it. Of course. She wouldn't be talked out of it. Right. And I went home, uh, actually met with Ron Luce, a friend of mine. He walked me through, uh, uh, what I needed to do Mm -hmm. and resigning my church meeting with my wife and my, my kids and mm-hmm. my family. And uh, that was the end of church and ministry uh, for three years. In fact, I thought it was the end of my can church I, forever.
1: Can I ask you a personal question? And yeah. How was your marriage during this time? How, yeah. How was Kathy in this?
0: So uh, Kathy was the most amazing wife in the world. She was an amazing mother. Uh there's no blame. I had no reason mm-hmm. to try to escape. So right, but because I was finding all of this satisfaction and fulfillment in porn, mm-hmm. and then eventually in other places, our sex life had diminished. I mean, mm-hmm. I you know I didn't have a thirst or hunger mm-hmm. for her anymore because I was finding this fantasy world. And to the be fantasy more world exciting, just, yeah. Mm-hmm. The fantasy world was just so full of crazy adventure that right. regular life just didn't didn't match up. Sure. Right. So she was. She knew something was up. Mm-hmm. You know, she would ask me questions all the time. Sure. But she didn't have any idea okay. how crazy my world was okay. and how long it was going on.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, it, it was. We definitely. Had moved into what I would call more of just a friend zone, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, supportive of each other, we cared for each other, loved each other, mm-hmm. but uh, we both knew something was really right. wrong, and uh, and she knew something was wrong. She just couldn't put her finger on it. So when I finally confessed to her, mm-hmm. she was like, she was hitting her head, like, oh, now everything makes right. sense, right, right, like, finally. Sure. I get why I, I've been feeling so crazy about our marriage. Right. And I broke her heart and her life. Um, you know, the aftermath was unbelievably mm-hmm. painful for, for her and for my three boys. It was
1: just brutal. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I love that you have survived this and let Jesus live in you. I love that plane.
0: Yeah. Well, I <laughs> I didn't <laughs> want to survive. Sure. Uh, I, uh, you know, after I told my family, my parents, I was in such depression, mm-hmm. I uh, I wrote out a, a suicide note. I went to Legacy Drive in Frisco, right in front of my church, which is the busiest drive mm-hmm. of traffic in the city. And I started walking towards traffic, trying to, trying to take my life. And mm. five police cruisers pulled up, surrounded me, put me in cuffs, and they sent me to rehab uh, for 30 days wow. after that. And uh, I was so gone and so depressed. I was I was depressed and suicidal even before mm. this. I mean, I just hated my life. I hated who I'd become. Right. I tried to quit ministry even while I was in the middle of this. I remember meeting with Kathy one time and saying, I, I just need out. I can't do this anymore. I just feel like I just have lost my passion for it. Of course, she didn't know what really was going on. Right. But I was just trying to get out of it because I felt so ashamed and of course she would talk me out of it because she didn't know what was really happening Mm -hmm. and so finally yeah getting into getting into rehab and getting away was uh, maybe the first glimpse of any kind of hope I had for uh, for a future but I really never thought I'd return to ministry I, I just felt like it's over it's done the guys in my life you know some of the pastors that came into my life to you know, try to help me. They didn't think I'd ever return to ministry either. They mm-hmm. just said, Blaine, you're done. Let's help you get a job. Let's, you know, help you get on your feet. Mm-hmm. My my biggest thing the first year after uh, the crisis was just trying to uh, find a job and trying to save my marriage.
1: Right.
0: And that, that was hard. I mean, when you've worked in ministry for 30 years. Right. And you've never done anything else. Yeah, it's hard to just you know. Hey, I'm a good preacher. You got a job, <laughs> right? I've had
1: similar thoughts. I've wondered if I didn't do this, what would I do? Yeah,
0: it's it's really hard. Yeah, and so yeah, God provided uh, in so many different ways. With uh, I ended up finding, a, oh, through a friend, I, I found this bully-proof uh, organization that needed a marketing manager mm-hmm. uh, that was a national uh, education, uh, thing with schools. Mm -hmm. And so i worked with that for a while and I did some other things, but so God was faithful through it all. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when I, when I look back that first year of, uh, trying to inch out of that grave that I, that I put myself in, I think the hardest thing was just seeing how much pain I, I brought to my, my wife Mm -hmm. at the time, Kathy Mm -hmm. and my three boys. And, uh, It was brutal, you know, uh, just to see her try to, try to struggle to, to be with me again. Mm -hmm. She wanted to, like she tried so hard. She didn't want our marriage to end. Uh, Mm. and my boys, you know, wanted to cheer me on, but they saw their mother's pain. Absolutely. They were like, I can't cheer you on right now, dad. Yeah. I can't be in your corner. You know, you've we gotta just, be there for her. you've hurt mom too much. Mm-hmm. You've hurt me. So it was just, we don't realize until it happens, the ripple effects yeah. of our decisions and our choices and our behavior. I, you know, if I could have, when I was pressing that red button in that hotel room, mm-hmm. that first time, if I could have fast forwarded to mm-hmm. the, all the pain I would have caused and all the heartache I would have caused, I would have never hit the button. Right yeah you just don't Absolutely. realize where choices and decisions take you and so if you're a minister and you're listening today or you're just somebody happen to be uh tuning into this podcast you know what would i tell my younger self i would say take a moment pause hit the pause button and if you're in a crisis reach out to somebody yeah. You know, just just say, "Hey, I'm in a little bit of trouble here. Mm-hmm. Can can you give me some help?" That would have solved everything for me.
1: So through your rehab and recovery time, what did you learn about yourself that made you be able to look back and say if I'd had these things in place or um whatever? Put you on that path to begin with.
0: That's a great question. You know, I think I think when it comes to addiction, obsession, things that kind of drive us. Uh, I I when I was trying to quit and stop on my own, I, I was looking to willpower. If I could just speak the word strong enough, if I could pray hard enough, if mm-hmm. I could fast long enough, mm-hmm. man, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat this, and I never could. Mm-hmm. And what I what I learned in thirty days of addiction recovery and in two years of absolute follow up like every mm-hmm. week going to my counselor, mm-hmm. which is a really great Christian man, is I learned that there were deeper things inside of me that I wasn't getting fixed mm-hmm. so it wasn 't just about willpower it was about what 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 are the things inside of Blaine Bartell that are causing all this internal mess and pain and crisis that are causing me to want to medicate. Right. That are causing me to want to reach out for whatever is making me feel good temporarily in the moment. Right. So there were several things. A, I was living in complete exhaustion, mm-hmm. living in no Sabbath and no, no redemptive, regenerating hope in my life. I was just... Work, 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 work. Number two, I, I found myself, and this happened from childhood right on up, I found myself finding all of my personal affirmation in achievement. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't achieve, if I didn't do well, if I, if I didn't write the next great book or pastor the next great church or whatever, I... Uh, I couldn't be happy with myself, and so we never always achieve, and so when I would have those moments where I'd feel like a failure or feel like I didn't do as well as I did the last time, all this pain would come internally, and I would have to numb it, like, what do I do? Well, this is how I'd reach out, so we have all these things internally that we're fighting and that we're dealing with, and it it could even go all the way back to our childhood, I didn't realize it, but I still had bitterness and unforgiveness and pain from my childhood from being molested by my boss when I was like 13 years old. And I'd never forgiven him. I thought about it every single day, it haunted me. And it wasn't until I got into therapy that I realized I hate that guy. And there's so much pain and so much unforgiveness on the inside of my soul that it drives me to want to numb that pain. And so I just began to do a lot of soul work, just allowing Jesus through the Holy Spirit to heal, to bring grace, to bring forgiveness, to release forgiveness, to receive his love, to remember that I'm loved as his son no matter uh, who I am, where I've been that there's nothing I can do to make him love me anymore. There's nothing I can do to make him love me any less that I am just completely loved by God. And when that happened, and it took a while, when that really sunk in and that really happened, that healing came and that forgiveness and that giving of forgiveness where I needed to give it, uh, there just wasn't anything to numb anymore. And so that desire for the illicit world or the the numbing part of my world just wasn't a magnet anymore. I just didn't didn't have a, a gravity for it anymore. Now, I did all kinds of other work. I mean I, I did men's groups, I went to three men's groups a week. I uh, I retrained my thoughts and my brain and went through all this uh mental reprogramming with the word and and uh and, and and other programming that I did. Uh I uh I got deep deeply into community. You know, when you're hiding things and you're you get really shallow
1: because mm-hmm.
0: you don't want anyone to get close enough to you to go deep. Right. So I all my relationships were like a, a centimeter deep but a, a mile wide. And so I began to go really deep again with, with people and live into to community, live into church community. I found a great joy in actually going to church again without having to do anything. Like, yeah. I, I could just go and worship and love and be loved and be in community and be in small groups. And uh, so I, yeah, it just, there, there was just so much healing that, but you know, I, I found I, I needed to just have time away from the work of the ministry. And again, I didn't think I'd ever go back to ministry, but as I got healed and got whole and my soul got restored and joy began to come again, and I began to find out what it was like to live without addiction, to live without a stronghold, I thought, man, I've never lived this way. This is really fun. You know, I like people. (laughs) I love God again. I, you know, I kind of, I kind of would love God to use me again. I don't care what it is. Just Lord, show me, show me. Something you could, and so uh, what I do today, you could have never told me 20 years ago that I'd enjoy what I'm doing today. Mm. I used to hate counseling. Wow. I used to hate one-on-one. When when my pastor uh, back in the day, Willie George, would say, hey, Blaine, I need you to counsel these people. That was like a death sentence. Like I did not like counseling because I needed counseling. I was in more trouble than they were most of the time. So today I just love leaning into coaching guys and helping men that are struggling and and even uh laurie and i uh my wife uh we i remarried five years ago and this beautiful person is coming to my life uh laurie and and we work with couples as well so i just you know i would have never dreamed that i would enjoy doing that but that's that's what my life is today it is just uh taking what god has poured into me the healing and the love And the grace and the forgiveness and helping others to experience that.
1: I love that.
0: You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.